Sex is good. Sex is bad. And what's sex got to do with God, faith, and Filipino upbringing? Join me as we take a close, honest look at the coffee table book, Standard Deviation, by Bong Manayon, Ara Custodio, and Emma. This is Jeanette Valenciano, and this is Zine. I was 19 once, and there was this girl I was after. And there was my mom who said, I know girlfriends until after college. That did not stop me, and it was something my mom and I fought about. One Sunday, we visited my grandfather's house. The instant we stepped in, my mom yelled, Dad, this grandson of yours has nothing in his mind but girls. Uh Uh-oh. He sat me down beside him and pensively thought in silence. All you could hear was the creaking of his rocking chair. Finally, he wistfully recalled, I remember when I courted your grandma. She was 16 then, I was 17, and we got married a year later. Wait, what? I'm 19! I'm late already! I could see my mom doing a facepalm from the kitchen. I would realize that while my maternal grandparents married in their late teens, the next generation married around in their late twenties. My mom was the last one and she married well into her thirties. How did the marrying age move from 18 to 28 in one generation? Well, blame it on the Americans. My grandfather was born in the late 19th century and caught the tail end of the Spanish Empire. He married and had his kids when it was the Americans' turn to rule the Philippines, and they brought something with them. Education that was accessible to many. That resulted in the Filipino mantra, Magtapos ka muna, or finish school first. And they did. My mom's siblings were not just a usual bunch of kids. They were overachievers. They didn't stop at a usual college degree, and most went on to get their master and doctoral degrees. That experience is not unique to my family, as most Filipinos would suspend starting a family after they finish school. Welcome back. This is Zine, and this is episode three, uh, where we take a close view at the beautiful, sublime coffee table book, Standard Deviation, created by photographers uh, Bong Manayon, Ara Custodio, with the model Emma. So, uh, let's take a close look at the art first, first and foremost. Oh, and uh, a very brief background. Sir Bong Manayon is a professor, he's a photography professor from uh, the College of St. Benilde de La Salle University here in Manila. And he's also had uh, a firm background 
in teaching in different seminaries across Manila. Uh, he is one of the most generous, most sincere, uh, and, and most thoughtful uh, people I know. So much love to Sir Bong. It is an absolute treat to be uh, given the honor of looking through uh, the early copy of the book. So let's get to it. Okay. Uh, first, let's have a closer look at the art. I'm so sorry, readers. Uh, I'm so sorry, listeners. Uh, the only way that we can, though uh, the only sample we have of his photography is the cover of episode three. But as you can see, uh, the series itself is essentially a closer look at different colored raw shock blots projected on uh, a nude female form. Okay, And we are even given a, a, a very simplified uh, process of how Sir Bond did it. Uh, I would like to reserve. I would at some point. I would at some point. I would really, really love to pick his brain over uh, the process, how he conceptualized it. Uh, so uh, he did thus mention here at the back of the book uh, that he created his own ink blots using Oslo paper and grade school watercolor. So he scans them, he projects them onto the model, uh, he photographs, and then scans it again and renders it negative and we are treated to this lush view of color we are treated to this uh, magnificent uh, organic shapes and forms uh, and what i love about them is uh the ink blots go it's it's a disservice to just say go <laughs> they uh fall on the, the the female form so beautifully, uh, so almost lovingly. They practically enrobe her, they girdle, they girdle her, uh, they enshroud her. And it's just, for me, I just find it very interesting how certain parts of the ink blot do highlight certain parts of her anatomy like where her heart is, where the uterus, where the uterus and the fallopian tubes are, uh, where uh, her pelvic bone is, and so on and so forth. And it's very, very telling. It's, it's not so much telling as it is thoughtful, considering that this is his humble treatise. Uh, these are collection of his thoughts on sex, on faith, uh, and both seen from the context of Filipino culture, Filipino Christianity, from upbringing, through school, through growing up. So it's very poignant, if I may say so. It's, for, for me, this is a particular, this is quite beautiful. Uh, because if you're anything like me, uh, I do hope, this does not show I've been living under a rock for so many, so long. But anyway, I am so used uh, to photography, focusing on the subject, focusing on the female form. Uh, but what I love, 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 love about this uh, collection of photographs is it is a it it plays uh, it. Excuse me. It it plays with color. It plays with light. It plays with process. 
it uses the female form and color and light as context and it's absolutely thoughtful it's absolutely beautiful uh and it's it the the, the image juxtaposed so well with the text I'll, I'll go into the text a little bit later now uh though the raw shock projection images are not the only photographs you'll see in the book. There is a collection of, let's see, where was that? One, two, three, four, five images, plus three more by, by the photographer Ara Custodio, uh, focusing on uh, the female form. They're mostly black and white, or they're, they're uh, oh, Oh, okay, my, my bad, guys. Um, they're not black and white, but it's really more of uh, they're they're quite dark photos. Likewise, of uh, a large room with a very dark interior, and a large paned window, uh, with light streaming in, casting stark and stark sh soft shadows onto the naked female form. And these photographs are, are entitled after the different stages of grief. So you have anger, denial, depression, bargaining, and acceptance. Okay. So what can I say about this? Uh, if you are a fan of color and organic shapes on the female figure, uh, if you are a fan of uh, a very thoughtful, uh, a very thoughtful, clean uh, play on light and color, I would definitely recommend this as part of your library. Uh, this is gorgeous work. It's always uh, great to go back and immerse yourself in it. Especially the, the the layout is very clean. You've got uh, for every spread you have uh, this beautiful beautiful um, photograph on one side and thoughtful text on the other. So I would highly recommend this. But let's not get ahead of ourselves because we still have the text to discuss, and we'll get back to that in a minute. Let's take a short break. Filipinos are normally confused. What do you get when you spend 300 years in a convent and 50 years in Hollywood? <laughs> You'll be pretty messed up. There is this strange mix of Augustinian angst, a sexual revolution that came with the arts, and this weird Freudian thing where we tend to marry our mothers. Somehow, it has been observed that many marriages devolve into something where the wife matures into the mother, not only of her children, but also to her spouse who never grows up. It's a strange way of giving a nod to being a matriarchal society. Attempts to fix that have always been thwarted by the invocation that the Philippines is the only Christian nation on this side of the world. But yeah, most of the stuff feels like it's operating off the unconscious. Hmm. 
sounds Freudian, that there isn't much reasonable conversation going on. No one knows what they mean by Christian, which means hypocrisy is equally confused. So here's a pitiful attempt to make sense of it all. Don't take me seriously. Seriously. And welcome back. This is Zine, and you're listening to the third episode uh, where we take a close, honest look at uh, the book Standard Deviation by Sir Bomanayan, Ara Custodio, with the model Emma. So, in the last section, you just heard an excerpt <clears throat> uh, from the book, and this I think serves as a great background to uh, uh, what the entire book really is all about. Um, so let's dive into the text. Now, first things first, uh, a brief uh, look at the book, at the book's uh, thesis. It's, like I said in the opening, it's essentially a uh, a, a, a very honest uh, look at sex and faith in the Filipino context. So, you know, we and, and it's so rich for analysis. And I love how Sir Bong Manayon uh, essentially organizes his thoughts and pairs it down and helps us uh, digest it through very honest, very sincere language. First, of course, we're introduced to sex as good because... Uh, from his perspective, I'm, I'm, oh, by the way, um, he tackles sex uh, from a very Filipino perspective, uh, as well as from a studied, uh, from a uh, studied view. Think of it this way: it's essentially Filipino, uh, Filip a Filipino person who attended Bible school and then later on discovered the world for himself, for themselves. Because really, it's a universal experience when you think about it. Because once you are out of school, baby, you are introduced to the real world. <laughs> so, let's go back. Uh, first, of course, we are introduced to sex as good. Uh, as it's, it's sex, after all, created uh, in the image and likeness of God, or the universe, or your, your creator, or whatever you believe in. And we're taken to sex as bad. And it's later on demonized into uh, where it, it where it gets worse. Uh, Sir Bongmanayon casts a very non-judgmental view on this, and when I say non-judgmental, essentially he just says that, you know, um, as life goes, unfortunately, because of, uh, you know what. In, in a sense, he, I, I love how he looks at it uh, from a point of view of history, of uh, not just Bible school, but also of theology. Uh, because we're given a view of how the church uh, views sex, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, given a view into... Okay, we're given a view into how philosophers have uh, essentially cut up, dissected, um, 
perceived, analyzed sex, how St. Augustine, because yeah, St. Augustine is a philosopher in his own right, um, eventually, uh, uh, you know, he had a really wild life. And his wild exper experiences, sowing his oats, and eventually coming to the faith, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> um, let me see, uh, he, he returns to the faith, and he eventually uh, concludes that, and I quote, the only reason why God even created sex was that humanity can have babies. And unfortunately, I, I think this is um, one of the biggest uh, tenets or, or things that majority of Filipinos um, have grown up uh, with this context. Uh, with their catechism, with what their grandparents taught their parents and what their parents taught them, you know, um, like like morally, quote-unquote, the church teaches us that, oh, sex is only for babies, oh, sex is something sacrosanct, it's something that you only enjoy within the confines of marriage, but hell no, you know what I mean, we, we all eventually start growing up, and this is observed, Wong also addresses this, uh, you know, as he mentioned, 300 years in a convent, um, and then with uh, this happens because of the Spanish occupation. And then we're brought into the American occupation where sex is kind of good, but in a very Hollywood uh, slash commercial way, maybe. Um, we, uh, it's, it's like sex is fun, but it's, it's still taken with a nudge nudge wink wink approach it's essentially like oh you're yeah it's hella fun but you're not supposed to enjoy this so it's kind of naughty and this is i think one of the things why a lot of us filipinos have so much baggage and so many hang-ups over sex um i i think i'm speaking to the choir here now, I would very much want to read another short excerpt to illustrate why uh, very, very well uh, how, how Sir Bong puts it. So he goes, now add the Filipino sensibility. One of the fun things I do to my seminary students was have them translate basic sexual terms from English to Filipino. This is a study in the medium is the message. <laughs> Filipino seems inherently vulgar. <laughs> So you know, and uh, yes, this is a this is where we get to the R eighteen section of the zine of of zine. You know, let's say for example, I would imagine you you say fuck. Of course, the Filipino the Filipino version of that would be either kantot or kangkang. Very crisp, very hard. It's it when you think about it, it's almost even kind of guttural. It's very visceral. I mean the K's and the N's and the T's, you know, it's they're very hard consonants. And they hit you hard in the gut. And I I think um even even if we, we talk about uh genitalia, uh I, I think let's say for example I, I remembered back in uh Filipino uh, Filipino 101 class, you know, I unfortunately learned in my late, in my late teens that the proper term for vagina was the Filipino word poke. And I grew up all my life 
thinking that it was a bad word. You know, if you said pookie, oh, you don't say that in polite conversation. But that's really the term that was used. That's really the term that is used in um, our uh, pre-colonial codex. They, they used it very frankly. And, and back then, in pre-colonial times, they had no problems with that. But, but I am digressing. Um, but long story short, Filipino seems inherently vulgar. Now back to the text. No one in seminary, quote-unquote, Christian sensibilities, meh, uh, could say aloud the word they listed. Much of the English terms can be treated forensically as a matter of fact. Filipino words cannot be said without a giggle or a blush. It's so, yeah, obscene. End quote. <laughs> See, this is why I love Sir Bong's writing. It's very sincere. It's very thoughtful and, and honest. And, I, you know, he really doesn't mind, in the text, he really doesn't mind stumbling uh, or, or he's not afraid of making mistakes because eventually down the line, um, he can always, he, it's, you know, he, there is no pretense. There is no pretense. Uh, there is no, uh, what do you call this? There is no supposition of, oh, I'm the expert here. No, it's a very sincere, very human approach to the topic matter. And, and I think, I, I, I find this very refreshing, honestly. Um, so... I love you. Going back. <laughs> so, again, going back, we Filipinos have this weird preoccupation with sex. It's, it's like um, we have this very strange um, either obsession with it or, or we read it the wrong way. I, I think, like, say, for example, at least for me from a personal perspective, um, I, and, and this were two points that I aired out, uh, I, I, I got to discuss with Sir Bong over a nice long drive uh, to one of the loca to a location for uh, one of our shoots. We had this uh, great conversation on the road to Tanay uh, and, uh, about essentially sex and Filipino hang-ups. And, and I remembered um, telling him two examples. One you know why is it that you have this preoccupation we like noontime shows always have sexy dancers they always you know like like it's it's part of um what do you call this it's it's part of um something that you show on a daily basis you know you, you it's it's shown as entertainment the way these girls gyrate and make suggestive movements and lyrics uh, it's all great for the grown-ups, but when you start seeing it on kids, that's a no-no. Uh, I'm not saying this is good or this is bad. It just gets kind of, I will admit, I still have my own, um, uh, what do you call this? Little, excuse me, weirdnesses? Or at least I, I still have my own reservations about, um, ki seeing kids perform these dances as well. Um, on the other hand, I would like to bring up a point my dad, or my late dad, Joey Valenciano, said about the way we view sexy stars, uh, or porn stars for that matter. It's, it's, it's like, why is it that we think, you know, you, we've got a, you have a woman who has a beautiful body, a beautiful face, and, you know, who has no problems about showing her body. A lot of Filipino men will instantly think, 
uh, I, I'm just saying that majority uh, that, that there are people that a number of Filipino men will think, wow, siguro ang sarap na makisex niyan. Um, but the thing is, is that ha- using that logic is very much like saying, uh, you see a chef with a gorgeous set of cutlery, with a gorgeous set of knives, of pots and pans and all the tools you can imagine, and instantly saying, wow, he must cook really well. Because when you think about it, the skill is not in the tools. They're not in the tools. It's in how you use it. I mean, you might have these gorgeous cast iron pans and these these um, uh, mezzalunas and all that. But if you suck <laughs> at frying an egg and if you burn water, then dude, no. Okay, but, but I digress. Okay, and uh, let's go back to the text. So we... Uh, get into the heart, uh, pun this time intended, um, talking about sex as love. Is it sex as love? It says no. It also says yes. Because uh, we also go into the four loves. You have storge, love of family, uh, which is very strong here in the Philippines. Blood is way thicker than water, just uh, what you call this, actual meaning of the phrase aside, which we will talk about in a future episode. Uh, <laughs> you also have filia, the love of friends, the barcada, okay? Uh, you have eros, the love of beauty and passion, and this is where it kind of crosses the boundary, be- because when you say eros, you of course think of erotic so this is where it's tinged with sex and i think a lot of us filipinos still have some hang up over that but we'll address that a little later and of course agape uh, unconditional love uh quote unquote but that's interpreting it from christianese now i think a lot of people feel excuse me that when you say agape or unconditional love that is usually oh you know it's the pure kind of love it is not tinged with sex oh which might be what majority think but it needn't be the case because you can still have unconditional love for someone you have sexual desires for you know but but going back um he, he, Sir Bong says here that agape is beautiful, but it has a flaw too. Quote unquote, it is boring because <laughs> um, it's romanticized in Christian communities um, that it is the only way to love. But then when you think about it, um, it's not really the only way, just like what I said. And you must also remember, and I, and Sir Bong, thank you so much for taking, for, for taking note, for um, mentioning this in the book, that at the end of it all, uh, in the Bible, Christ does say that he uh, awaits us like his bride. He is the bridegroom. And he th- that is one form of unconditional love as well. It is the desire to protect, the desire to nurture, to inspire, to thrill, to satisfy to sate, you know, to make fruitful, and you know what that means too, okay. It is, uh, essentially, it is, I I would very, very much like to feel that uh, the, one of the realest things we can ever do for sex when it comes to faith is to treat it very much like, you know, if you are a person of faith, um, 
I one of the things uh, I really would love to see sometime in the future is we treat sex like a sincere gift. And it's not the kind of gift that you lock down, that you say, oh, you know, this is only for married people, or oh, you know, this is sacrosanct, etc. You treat it very sincerely. You treat it quite honestly, you know. Um, it's not a sex hall you can, but it is really more of an activity that two people do. It's also a question of consent. That's very, very important because before you get to uh, what do you call this? Actually, even with or without love, there always has to be respect. There always has to be consent, which is very, very important. And um, you know what? Let's take a short break because consent itself is a pretty big thing. And I would really love to pick Sir Bong's brain on this. But non go away. We'll be back very shortly. Welcome back. This is Zine. And uh, in the last segment, I uh, let's let's take uh, and let's take that the tail end of our last segment and launch right away into consent. Okay, because when you think about it, really and truly, the bedrock of sex and um, all the positive parts about it, and in a sense, all the negative. Um, Masalimu'ot, complex, nasty parts of it all boil down to the presence or lack of, se- of, of consent. And, you know, I, I think it's very fitting, uh, in particular, uh, with the next few pages of Sir Bong's uh, book, Standard Deviation. He next talks about infancy, puberty, adultery, <laughs> uh, slash adulting. And why we are screwed as a culture if we don't wise up. So, it may not be that simple. You know, I, I, I am not going to offer a end-all and be-all solution. Dude, this is not a silver bullet to address it. But at the very least, I think this, um, I would like to shine a light on what I think is one of the most uh, plausible, one of the most... Um, sturdy one of the sturdiest uh bedrocks uh for when we start talking about sex which is consent and i think this is something uh that matters a lot let me uh give you what i've been observing okay i've started i i i think like many filipino women I was raised with a lot of don'ts. I was raised with a lot of bawal. You know, like, don't go out in shorts. Don't go out at this time of night. Hindi yan uwi ng matinong babae. Or, you know what, um, what do you call this? Well, don't wear this in church. Don't drink with men. Don't do this, don't do that. And I would always be, I would often be peppered or, or educated uh, with stories of my great great grandmother, you know, like there were stories saying, if uh, what do you call this? If a woman laughed out loud, my great great 
my great great grandmother would say ano ka nagbebenta na kanangipen you know or if she would just you know look out the window for a long period of time she my the great great grandmother would say ano ka nagbebenta ng mukha so whoa you know and later on uh i would also be educated especially when i uh finally had my first period um i remember my mother bless her heart uh she only knew what she was doing she was only doing her best uh took me aside and very very solemnly told me that Jeanette, you can get pregnant now you have to be very very careful because it is a very vicious world out there and you can and and there will be bad men who will want to do bad things to you and so you have to be careful and be, and if you are not careful uh no one uh, everyone will blame you so imagine a 13 year old I was still kind of a kid back then. A 13-year-old kid receiving all this, all these messages saying that no matter what you do, you know, you're still at fault. It's still your problem. And I re and and I think this is this echoes in a lot of the experiences of my fellow Filipina women, you know, um we have uh, issues of uh we have issues that we get catcalled, we're not we're often told to just shut up and, and duck our heads and move forward because, you know, what's the what's the use of fighting back? Or um, if somebody cops a feel uh, in a public space, you know, no, where we're not allowed to scream or kick because who the hell is going to believe us? I mean, dude, that happened to me on the bus and the asshole just ran out and said, Bukam na magalit, honey, walang prob hindi problema yan. And he just fucking left. You know, and he made it look like, uh, look like as if I was an overdramatic, hysterical woman. You know, I was a dr overdramatic, and it was, oh, it's a lover's pad. You know, and, and, and just it just made me feel so powerless. Let's not even start with um the victim blaming of of uh rape cases you know when be when th this is why very few women report because they're they're questioned you know what were the hell were you drink were you drinking what were you wearing what did you tell him it's all it always boils down to the woman and again this is rape culture and i think rape culture is um a big symptom of the problem we have of educating our kids with consent. Now going back, um, it kind of sucks that uh, until now we still have grown-ups who always tell me that oh Jeanette, you know what you call this? We can't, you know, we can't do the the liberated stuff you do because you're just giving them motives to to insult you. But dude, this is all part. <laughs> of the issue of consent now now i am now please uh allow me to clear up the air i do not blame my parents i do not blame my elders um when you think about it really uh, they're not at fault because number one they didn't know better they didn't even know that consent was a thing and number two their parents had no idea what consent was and this is also why 
we as a culture, I think, I think we as a culture have been raised with so many hang-ups about sex, with so many, so much excess baggage, and we're unable, uh, we're unable to take a brief, uh, or I'm sorry, a, a, a honest, an honest, sincere, uh, and kindly approach to sex. Because we, we as a culture, dearly, dearly lack a, a firm, solid education on consent. And when you think about it, consent is really so simple. The rules were taught to us when we first started playing in the playground. You know, basic courtesy, guys. You know, you be polite to your playmates. Be respectful. Be kind. Don't hurt your playmates. You're there to have fun. You know, and when things don't be, aren't fun anymore, when things aren't okay, you're allowed to say it's not okay. And and if you want to keep playing, you guys have to talk it out. What's okay? What's not okay? You know, and you shouldn't um, force what you want on a playmate if it's not fun anymore. So the same thing applies, I think, for us as grown-ups, because sex is a form of play, and. You know, it, it's, it, I, I think I do not, especially in the, in the light of the Me Too movement and in the light of all these um, really, really uh, trumped up issues of um, catcalling, of rude jokes, of men, of, 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 uh, of, of sexual assaults uh, getting quote-unquote pardoned uh, and rapists getting acquitted you know I, I think in the light of all this uh, I, it's important to uh, start educating our children it's important to start raising and the next generation of, uh, our, our, of, of men and women Let's teach our sons and daughters the importance of consent. Uh, I th I'm, I'm, I'm very glad to say that I have wonderful uh, people in my generation and who are younger than me who uh, teach their kids consent. They teach their daughters that no means no. If you don't want to be touched, that's absolutely okay. You know, and no one has a right to your body, even if they're your family members, even if they're your higher ups. If you don't want to be touched, you don't want to be touched. You know, and people have to respect that. And in the same way that you know, it's it's you also have to have a full-hearted, all-out yes. It has to be a very enthusiastic yes uh, when you want to get intimate with someone. Because, I mean, it's essentially uh, a, a desire to uh, get to, to know someone. <laughs> to know someone both, yes, in the biblical and in the personal sense. Uh, see if you guys click. See if it works. If it doesn't, what can you do to, to, to work around it? And, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's also important um, to allow kids or, or to help guide them to explore their bodies, to get to know their bodies in a safe, non-judgmental environment because, you know what, they only have one body. Let's help them work with what they've got. And if they can't be comfortable in the vessel they're in, if they can't be comfortable with their bodies, dude, 
how are you going to help these kids be okay with their sensations, be okay with what they feel, and what is okay for them and what is not okay? Now, let's also teach boys consent. Let's raise a generation of men who um, are ones who are done with toxic masculinity because, you know what, that's sown enough dissent, that's sown enough pain and hurt for generations to come. We still have to process the shit out of that. But let's raise a generation of sons who uh, protect women, who listen to women, who are truly partners to women, who believe women and support women. Let's all support each other because really and truly, you know what, we've got it, the, all we have is each other. And this is really the only way we can move forward. Guys, it's already 2018, it's already the end, we're already at the tail end for goodness sakes of 2018. And um, there's still so much to be done. And I think this is particularly ti timely uh, in this day and age. Right now, I think uh, we really wish we could expect more of the people in uh, in power right now. They, you know, like like we 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 feel that guys, you should be doing better than us. So um in that case you know what uh let's in in the light of this let's do what we can on our end let's all focus on consent let's let's make it thrive um and i think uh once we start building a strong culture of consent we can also start breaking down rape culture because rape uh is really not about sex it's about power in the same way that the Me Too movement is not so much about gender, but it's about power. Because, excuse me, <coughs> when you think about it, sexual assault and rape is really and truly um, a one-person's way of um, forcing power over another person. Saying that you are not, I have control over your body, I have control over your feelings. You have no choice. I can do what I want to you and you have no choice. You know, I can make you feel things that you don't want to feel and you are going to accept that. And that opens a floodgate of trauma, of hurt, of damage, of anger, you know. And uh, that's just something obs... I'm not even gonna say I've seen guys. That's just something barbaric. We should be leaving that behind, guys. Uh, so once we start, uh, let's 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 focus on. As I say, I'm sorry. I keep going back to that. Let's build a strong culture of consent, and then we can start healing uh, the wounds that rape has caused, and then we can start going after the assholes. We can start breaking down rape culture, you know, because really and truly, guys, we are already in the 21st century. Rape culture has no room. You know, we all have to move forward as, as a people, as a species, you know. So, whew. <laughs> so, um, I think that's it for now. Uh, let's all take a quick break. Stay tuned. Welcome back, and uh, this is Zine. 
So at the end of the day, what do we do? <laughs> um, I really appreciate, again, going back uh, to the conclusion that Sir Bong Manayon offers in his book, Standard Deviation, uh, how he breaks down what we can do now, uh, what do you call this, uh, at least what he feels, uh, how he interprets the world and some simple solutions he can offer through the art of photography on talking about sex. So he breaks it down into one, don't deny it, which is very true, you know, we're really, it, it happens, you know, it's all part of our nature. It's part of what makes us human. So it's best that we accept it. It's, it is actually, in a sense, to be celebrated. It's one of the more interesting, um, beautiful parts of ourselves. And... You know what? We are bound to experience this at one point or another. Two, don't judge. Don't wow. Don't judge, <laughs> because we all have our own experiences. And as times uh, change, just like what he um, observed with his grandparents and his parents, uh, norms will shift, and attitudes about it will shift. So don't judge, because we all have our unique experiences. And the best thing we can really do is be there for each other and listen to each other and learn from each other. Though at the same time, he also offers, don't do away with the norms. And when he says, um, to quote, what I mean by the norms are the traditions and structure that society has evolved and accepted in human history. So while we all may have um, varying experiences, there are still certain things that do last. And I think it, 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 and these experiences, these lessons are what thread us together uh, as, uh, as humans, as people. So uh, at the end of the day, allow me to read the last section of this. At the end of the day, they, the millennials and Gen Zers, may be the ones to figure out how to get themselves out of this dilemma, or fuck things up completely. The best that can be done is start the conversation now. We need to. It is for the sake of those who will inherit the earth. So, we're all here for each other. We're here for you. We're in this together. Let's be kind, always be kind, always have respect, always have consent. And really and truly, this is how we get through this, you know. It's beautiful to be human, and it's beautiful to uh, immerse yourself in this wonderful, heartbreaking. Um, confusing and ultimately splendid experience of being human so might as well enjoy the ride this is Jeanette Valenciano you've just tuned in to the third episode of scene thank you and good night <laughs>